Blaine and Mickey 104.5 The Zone. Time now for our weekly visit with Coach Dave McGinnis, who joins us. Coach Mack is on the phone. He's not on Zoom. That means where in the world is Coach Mack? So, Coach Mack, where is the Coach Mack travel schedule? Where is it taking you to for today? What exotic port of call are you checking in from? Yeah, I'm in the exotic port of call of Snyder, Texas, right in the middle of Midland, Lubbock, and uh, Odessa Permian Triangle out here in West Texas. So uh, I'm right in the middle of West Texas, and phone service still works. I like it, man. How is the uh, how's the weather out there? It's pretty wet back here at home. You know what? Uh, they've had they've had uh, surprisingly rain, but uh, it heats up here in West Texas pretty quick after those rains. So that's been bad. It's been good. You know, got a lot of family out uh, family out here, so I've just had a big uh, family get-together this morning and into the afternoon. And then every time I come to West Texas, uh, there's always some coaches to talk ball to. So I always put on a little clinic when I come here for high school and some college and even some university coaches, and we'll all get together. There's never a shortage of coaches to talk ball with in West Texas, I promise you. I bet there's never a shortage of barbecue there either, is there? We just had some of the best barbecue ever. I mean, uh, of course, they've got this place. They've got this place in Snyder that's outstanding. It used to be a car dealership. So you can imagine they still kept the show floor of the car dealership. That's how big the barbecue place is in the town of 11,000. And I, my brother and I went in there at 11 to pick up a order we had called in, and it was already jammed. So, yeah, barbecue's pretty big out here, as you know. I love it. Coach Mack joining us uh, from his beautiful hometown of Snyder, Texas. Uh, your other hometown here in Nashville, Pecorine, announced his retirement today. Boy, you talk about somebody being that guy for a franchise. Coach, he has been that guy around here for a long time. Today he said goodbye well, as a player. No, absolutely. Iconic. Iconic. Uh, one of the pillars, you know, of, of that franchise. I was there when that franchise first came in there. I was there during the time when that franchise just about left, and then of course the resurgence of what the of the what the Preds have done. Pecorino has just been a foundation. May may have lost Coach Mack. I think the uh, barbecue place in Snyder must have called him back. He had to jump off the phone and get his second round of barbecue. We'll get Coach Mack back on the phone again. As he checks in from his hometown in Texas, they're visiting with family. Coach, we uh, we lost you. We thought maybe the barbecue place. Well, you know what? That's, that's 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 not on the West Texas cell towers. Something must be happening there in Nash Vegas. I blame Lucas. <laughs> no, we can't blame Lucas. Anyway, Pecorino, <laughs> you know, he's a he's a foundation cornerstone of that franchise, and so you know, of course, the retirement it, it happens to all the great players in all the all the professional sports. Sooner or later, they are going to retire, but they will. Ne- those types of guys that have made that type of an impact on a franchise and a city and really a league, they'll never be forgotten. Absolutely. Coach Dave McGinnis joins us. He's brought to you by Farm Bureau Health Plans. If you need great health care coverage and affordable price, let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They got you covered. Get the MAC attack. Well, Coach, uh, I-, I had to ask you this. It's kind of, you know, off the cuff uh, – you know, I played with the freak, which was a phenomenal athlete. Yeah, freak, the type athlete, and and before that, actually, uh, you know, it was uh, Lamar Latham for one year there when I was with the Oilers, uh, and uh, he was kind of a, a freak of nature with as big and as fast as he was. Uh, right now, if you had to take a stab at maybe a couple players that are freak of natures on the Tennessee Titans, who would that be? 
Well, Derrick Henry, number one. I mean, that's just. I mean, that's just a different dude. You know, that's just a different dude. And then, uh, and then, you know, I, I would pick. I would pick two. I would pick Jeffrey Simmons, and I'd pick Taylor Lewan. You know, Taylor mm-hmm. Lewan is a is a different kind of dude. Somebody that big, that long, that can move like he can move. And then, of course, you know, Jeffrey Simmons. You know, it's really going to be fun. I believe, guys, this season to watch him play on two fully good conditioned. Uh, knees and legs, because that dude is a little bit freaky, too. And that's crazy to say, Coach, when you've been around all the players you've been around, and every team has them, but sometimes, for whatever reason, they don't reach that freak of nature talent to their ability on the football field. And why do you think that happens sometimes? Well, I mean, I think a lot of times it's circumstances. And then sometimes, I mean, still, regardless of what – sport you're in, Blaine, and you know this, you can have all the physical ability in the world and even physical ability above what the normal professional has. But if you can't play the game, well, then it doesn't help you. And so you've seen some guys, I mean, you've been around them with your career. I've seen them plenty through my 35-year career that had great numbers, but they could not play the game as well as somebody that had some lesser physical attributes but knew how to play the game. Now, when you get the great ones, is when they is is when they have that tremendous over and above physical ability and also know how to play the game. That's when you have somebody special. No question about it. You know, I was thinking training camps right around the corner. I, when I start smelling the grass, I start feeling like, uh oh, football's here. Maybe think like, man, what are some of the hottest places that I've actually played in a game? Yeah, I know you was in Arizona, but what's some of the some of the hot, I mean, man, you got a long history in the National Football League, man. I'm sure there's been some hottest games, but I'm sure there were some that just stood out. You go, man, this is I, I can't even believe I'm standing here watching this game. It's too hot. Yeah, first of all, <laughs> you bring up Arizona. Home games in September in Arizona, I mean, it was just like sticking your head in an oven. And so that was one. I remember wow. we played the Packers one year when Mike Sherman was the head coach. The Packers came in. It was earlier in the year. They had refrigerated uh, trailer trucks that they brought in to be able to dress in <laughs> and to do things in. No, seriously. And, of course, you know, our guys are used to it. And so by that second and third quarter, I mean, they were melting. I mean, they were, they were melting. And, plus, they, had, they brought a lot of Packer fans and all those people wearing cheese heads in the stands. That cheese was melting on their heads. And we beat them that day. But, I mean, it was, it was directly related to the heat. I mean, and it was hot. Hot, hot, you know, out out there in Phoenix. And the the other the the hottest I've ever been also too is sometimes down in uh, Tampa Bay early in the season. You know, with, with the Bears when the Bears when Tampa was in the Bears division, Tampa Bay in September, we always knew that we were going to have to have IVs on coat hangers on the planes coming back because everybody was going to be needing to get you know an, an, an extra an extra dose of of an IV because it get hot and humid in September down there. And it was brutal. Mm. Well, coach, you've also been on some great teams. We're on with coach Matt, giving us a Mac attack, you know, I, and this is always curious. I, I love to get your perspective on, uh, you've been on a Super Bowl teams. I mean, what is typically, uh, you know, what do those teams possess that, you know, eventually lead them to a championship? You think, well, you've got ability and then you've got a cohesiveness in the locker room. You've got a sense of direction that is shared by everybody. You've got a you've got a pervasive team attitude that is shared by all sides of the ball, coaching staff included. And then there's all also it you have to have a little bit of luck. 
there's a little bit of luck to it. You know, the better teams I've been on that have gone advanced into the playoffs have been very fortunate injury-wise. And some of the great teams I've been on early were not able to close it out and win a total championship (laughs) because of critical injuries at that time late in the season. So I think all of those attributes that I just talked about, Blaine, I mean, you've done it for a long time. I mean, you've got to have, you've got to have guys that can play first of all, then you've got to have an attitude that everybody believes in, in the central theme of what the team is trying to do. And that's got to be daily. I mean, it has to be a daily thing. And then you have to have some luck, you know, in it, in it also. And some of that luck comes from being healthy at the right time. So all of those factors, you know, pull into it. And that's why anytime you win a championship, you know, in professional sports, it's something special to treasure. No doubt about it. We're on with Coach Mack giving us the Mack attack. Coach, you mentioned Big Jeff earlier is one of those guys who's kind of a physical freak in a league of people who are all unbelievable physical specimens that, that God has created. Um, there are these top ten lists on ESPN because we've talked about the season of lists. But on one of the right. lists, one of the guys who was being polled compared Jeff Simmons, said he's the one guy who maybe has a chance to be like Aaron Donald. And you were part of the crew that brought in Aaron Donald Even if you're not even in the same zip code, just to live somewhere around Aaron Donald, that's pretty high praise to be compared at all to that guy. Yeah, when we were vetting Aaron Donald coming out, I mean, the thing again, you know, that Aaron Donald, if he ever had a knock, well, we got him in the 13th pick, and the thing that kept him out of the top five was his height. All right, but I mean, everything else that he could do—leverage, strength, tenacity, uh, a great, great ability—I mean, he is, he is, he is tremendously strong and sudden. I mean, it just and, and, and very violent, okay? Well, Jeffrey Simmons is the same thing, except he's in a bigger body, okay? He may not quite be as quick laterally because, you know, uh, uh, AD is built closer to the ground, but everything else, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, when you vetted him coming out of Mississippi State, what you saw was a big, powerful, explosive guy that then could change directions laterally very, very quickly, and and those those types of guys are, are are special. I've told you guys this before. Our listeners have heard it, I think, on other shows. But when Joe Green was my defensive line coach for eight years in Arizona, we'd travel the country, you know, uh, pre-draft, you know, working guys out. You know, he would say, I remember when we went down to Tennessee, you know, you know when John Henderson was down there and when, uh, you know, uh, we went down there to look at to look at those guys in Albert Hainsworth. And after we got through working them out, you know, Joe Green said, Coach Mack, when you find bears walking on two legs, get one of them. And so, I mean, those kind of guys, those kind of guys are rare. And Jeffrey Simmons is one of those kind of guys. I know you talked about getting Aaron Donald at 13. That that particular year for the draft, there were just some dogs, especially in that first round. Oh, my gosh. But how nervous were you guys that maybe somebody else was going to catch on and, and you're thinking, we're not going to get this guy now? We didn't, there's no way we thought he'd be there at 13. I mean, we weren't going to move up. We weren't going to move up to get him because we already had a pretty salty defensive line. You know, we, back in his prime, you know, we had, we had Robert Quinn and, and we had, we had, we had, we had Chris Long. We had Michael Brockers. We'd just taken the year before it, number one out of LSU, who's a tremendous player, you know, big, I mean, a really great interior player. So I mean, it wasn't like we really needed one. But, uh, you know, defensively as coaches, we were all in love with Aaron Donald. And Jeff Fisher was in love with him, along with our defensive line coach and myself. And so we never really thought he would be there. But when it got close to him starting to be there, then the other plans that we had for that slot 
they went by the wayside, and we jumped on him. <laughs> Getting the Mac attack from Coach Dave McGinnis here on Blade and Mick. <laughs> well, Coach, since this is the time of list, and I'm not going to be asking about your list, but take us through what it takes to be a successful head coach in the National Football League. And, you know, pros and cons, and, and what are some of the things overrated and what are some of the things underrated about being a head coach? Well, the first thing that's most important, Blaine, is the organization, your ownership. I mean, that's, that's huge. You know, the, the type of atmosphere that is there and, and the type of, of, of not only commitment but the vision of your, of, your, of your ownership, of your owner or your ownership group is extremely important, how well that meshes with you and then how willing they are, you know, to, to, to hire their people and then let their people work, still be involved in the decisions. That's extremely important. And the other thing is, is being able to put a staff together, and especially depending on which side of the ball you're on, you know, get, get that coordinated strength to the other side of the ball to be able to mesh with what your philosophy is, and then getting the types of players that you, that you, that you want for the atmosphere that you want in your building and in your locker room. And that's, that's very important. And the first thing you do when you take a job, well, we'll find out how many of those guys are pre-existing there that fit into that mold, and, and then the others that don't, well, then you've got to replace them. And then you've got to find ways to replace them in a judicious way, but also very fiscally responsible. You've got to draft well. You've got to draft some cornerstone guys because that's going to be important if you're going to be there for any amount of time. And then the biggest thing is, is be able to be consistent in the message you know, with, with your players and, with, in fact, your whole organization. When you're a head coach of the National Football League, you're the CEO of that organization. And so your vision has to be, has to be shared by everybody that's in that building. But you have, to be able, you have to be willing to incorporate everybody into that and not insulate yourself. Not, don't insulate your team. Just incorporate everybody in the building about what's going on because that's the most successful franchise. It's like what the Titans have going on right now. Everybody in that organization, Amy Adams Strunk, the people that she has hired all the way down through every – Every department, they're all in for one reason, for the Titans to win games and then for them to do, you know, things in the community, the things that are right. But just all of that stuff has to be uh, uh, put together in a conscious effort. And that's, that's, the, that's the job of a head coach because eventually and essentially it all comes down to him, you know, as, as far as, you know, the success or the failure of it. Everybody's going to point to them, uh, you know, for that. So, you know, your head coach and be sure you mesh with your general manager, all of those things have to come together because it's just too competitive in the National Football League for anybody to be going one direction different than from what you're trying to go. It just doesn't work if that's happening. Is there anything you could say? I think you probably touched on a lot of the things that are underrated, but about being a, a head coach, were there anything that's, you know, a lot of people talk about as a little overrated being a head coach? Well, I, I think I think overrated is 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 just you know the 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 accolades that you get when it's successful. Okay, the thing that the thing that is that that, that to me is was always most the most important to me that I don't pay I think I don't think people think about a whole lot is just how much of daily decisions you have to make as a head coach in the National Football League that you had no planning for prior to the day coming up. There are so many times that that, that that knock comes on the door. Anytime you're a head coach and somebody knocks on the door from any department and stick their head in and say, Coach, have you got a minute? You know something's coming, okay? And there's no way you can prepare for everything, but you've got to be able to handle everything, not have an immediate answer for everything, but know where to get help 
on those answers. That's the thing I think that is very, very underrated. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of first-time head coaches call me and ask me some of the same questions. And I said, first of all, don't ever try to do everything all at once by yourself. You can't. Hire good people, delegate, and then know within your building where you can go for help when certain things pop up. Mm, no doubt about it. And lastly, this is kind of a fun question, Coach. Being a defensive-minded guy like myself, let's have some fun with this. If you were to create a new defensive play, what would it be called, and let alone do you want to give it some credence to how it would be designed? If you don't have to, you don't want to. But if you wanted to name a defensive play, what would you name it? And, you know, just, and then tell us why. About double cat blitz, zero coverage, who cares? And and because I'm always fascinated time. hearing the plays and how they come up with when I was a player. And sometimes it yeah. was like, oh man, this doesn't even correlate to what we're doing this play, but it came from history in the past of why it had that name. And, and then that yeah. that's kind of led me to, you know, what would you name a play today? Yeah, double cat coverage, zero blitz, who cares? So in other words, you know. If they if they hit us, don't worry about it. But we're we're getting ready to do something that's getting ready to explode a bomb on them. Bring both corners, lock everybody else up. Bring more than they can block. If they can find the open man in a short period of time, God bless them. Who cares? <laughs> we're all having some fun with Coach Mac giving us the Mac attack. <laughs> well, Coach, enjoy the rest of your visit to uh, Snyder, Texas. Did you realize today we are two weeks out from players reporting? Two weeks, Coach. Don't believe me. I'm like Blaine. I, I I know it, and we've talked about it on this show before, guys. Once the 4th of July, you get through firing all your fireworks on the 4th of July, when you're in this business, you know it's a downhill racer to training camp. So it's on top of us. I can't wait. Yeah, no well, go back to the car dealership and uh, get some more barbecue before you come back, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week, Coach. Yeah. Can't wait. Happy Packerino Day, Coach. Pleasure. See you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Coach. Coach Dave McGinnis, it's funny. He's at home. We're like, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm visiting my family, but I'm also going to do a coaching clinic while I'm here. Oh, it never, he's, it never He just stops. coaches everywhere he goes. I mean, he is he is America's coach. Yeah. Once it's in your blood, it never leaves you. Ever. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, let's hit a couple things before we go. USA basketball is in a heap of trouble, at least right now. And also right. the home run derby last night. The whole world, I think, wanted to see Shohei Otani win that thing, and he just couldn't quite get over the hump. Oh, man. It was still fun to watch, though. We'll uh, we'll finish up today with uh, some of what happened last night. Next, Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.